Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Neighborhood Church. This message was given by Larry Vold. Listen, find your sermon outline in your, in your bulletin there, and let's open our Bibles to the book of Romans, please. Romans 6, where we start today. You'll find that on page 1754 in that book rack Bible. Everybody's Bible open. Love to hear those pages turning. We love Scripture. Or if you've got it on your iPhone or an iPad or something like that, too, that's great, too. Just don't be looking at a sports website. <laughs> that's my only request. Listen, it's an amazing thing to be together this morning. And we're talking about service this entire month and actually beyond. We're doing a series called Service with a Smile, the transformational power of doing for others. Lock into that subtitle, the transformational power of doing for others. We don't realize how much God wants to transform us as we give ourselves away in the work of the Lord to others, first to the Lord and out to others. And now last week we looked at the big question about service, who are we going to serve? We're going to serve somebody. Today we come to the foundation of service, seeing service as something more than what we do and seeing it as who we are. Huge distinction. The foundation of service is not a checklist, not a to-do list. The foundation of service comes in knowing, watch this, this is who we are. We are his servants. We serve because we are his servants. Say that with me. We serve because we are his servants. Now I should point out this isn't a popular notion. Even sometimes in the church, there are many people who today view their relationship with Christ as anything but monikered by or identified by being servants of the Lord. The language of modern evangelicalism is a lot more about us, unfortunately. Many people see Jesus as one who is faithful and to fulfill our desires, our ambitions, our goals, our dreams... Jesus is our personal assistant. That's the way it comes out out of a lot of people in our culture and even in the church culture today. We talk about personal fulfillment more than we talk about sacrificial obedience to the king of glory. And in the church, we have to be sensitive and we need to realize that what all of this is about is about him. It's about being his servants, Now, as we begin today, I want to give credit to a book that really challenged me and blessed me in so many ways. It's a book by John MacArthur called Slave, The Hidden Truth About Our Identity in Christ. And we've got a bunch of them in our bookstore this morning. I hope you'll empty them out today and join in the dialogue of learning that service has to have a foundation of realizing that it's not a checklist, it's not something I do in order to even get something. Service is who I am. It it is an identifier of who we are in Christ. Service begins with God and it issues out into touching the lives of those around us. So there's a lot we could say about this idea of being a servant of Christ or a servant of the Lord. But let me just put it into three simple captions this morning. When we say we're servants of the Lord, here's what we're saying. If you're taking notes, we're saying, number one, we have a new position. Say that with me. We have a new 
position. Now here in Romans 6, 16 through 23, we're going to see this in a minute, but I, I trust that most of us understand that the Bible teaches that every human is born into slavery to sin. This is how we're born. We're born as slaves to sin. And Jesus said in John 8, 34, he says, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now let's raise our hands if anybody has ever sinned here. Anybody ever sinned? Okay, good. I'm glad I'm among my friends. We've all sinned and we've all come short of the glory of God. And Jesus said, Jesus said, if we've ever sinned, we're a slave of sin. Interesting. However, thankfully, he continues. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family. This is John 8, 35 and 36. We'll put it on the screen. Let's read it out loud. Ready? Here we go. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now, we sang about that a lot this morning, how we are set free in Christ. But here's where some of us get a little mixed up. We think that freedom means autonomy, to do what I want to do. But Jesus never said that freedom was to do what we want to do. The freedom that Jesus offers us is a freedom that allows us finally to be set free from the power of sin and to be given the power to, to serve a new master. And that's what we read about here in, in Romans chapter 6. If you're taking, if you have your Bible open to that passage, let me just read it and follow along. You'll see this powerfully in Romans 6, 16. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching. And if you want to write in the margin of your Bible there, that's the gospel. The form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. Now I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves, Paul writes. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them to, in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, that is so beautiful. Do you see what Paul is so clearly saying here? In verse 18, he's pointing out our new position as no longer slaves to sin, but look at verse 22, slaves to God which makes us simultaneously slaves of obedience, slaves of righteousness, leading to a life of holiness. So who are we? What this reminds us of is this is our true identity in Christ. We are his slaves. That means we are duty-bound to obey the Lord. We were rescued from a life of slavery to sin, and we were given the power to become slaves to God, slaves of righteousness. So in a sense, we're still slaves. The question is, who's your master? And it's either sin 
or it's a benevolent, loving God who knows always what's best for us and can lead us into a life that produces righteousness and holiness. I love that. Now, one of the things that little book that I just recommended points out so powerfully is that even in the modern translations of the Bibles that we own, we don't see slave terminology very much. In fact, the word slave in the Greek language is doulos and its various forms. Over 124 times the word doulos is used in the New Testament, which is always to be translated slaves. It is the Greco-Roman world of understanding the slave-master relationship. However, in the last hundred years, translators of the Bible have veered away from using the term slave and they've inserted rather the word servant. Now the word servant is a beautiful word and it can certainly depict what we're talking about here in the issue of giving our lives in service to God. But the fundamental form of the word or the fundamental priority of the, of the idea of service is captured in this word doulos. And only one times, one times, only one time does the King James Bible accurately uh, translate the word doulos to slave. Every other time it goes to servant. Now the reason is, is obvious. When, when translators in the past hundred years were working through some of the nuances of, of language, there was a desire to steer away from the picture of of the British Empire slave trade that we have all known and, and was a, a part of even American colonialism. Uh, the, the whole slave issue of the 17th and 18th centuries and even before that marred a lot of the pictures of what we have in Scripture because the Greco-Roman world of slavery was completely different from the slavery of the British Empire or, or of American colonialism. And yet when, when we read the, the word slave, we often go to British Empire, we go to American colonialism, and we say, how in the world can the Bible talk about slavery? Just a quick snapshot into the slavery of the Greco-Roman world. You could be any ethnicity, you could be any age, you could be any gender, and you could be a slave. Slaves were purchased, and sometimes slaves, in fact, most times, slaves were born into slavery. It was sort of a social caste. But people who were slaves would look just like people who were not slaves. It was a term that described someone who was owned by a master. And in that being owned, they did everything in their lives to please that master. Now, some masters were cruel and unfair. Other masters were benevolent and generous. And to the degree that you served your master, whether he was benevolent or cruel, oftentimes turned out in what would happen in your life. Sometimes slaves could purchase uh, or there would be uh, opportunities for them to move out of a life of slavery and into a life of freedom. And the Bible speaks about all these terms. There is so much in Scripture that refers to this Greco-Roman world of slavery that is unlike American colonialism and the slavery that most of us have come to know. And yet it's a beautiful word that describes the fact, watch this, the difference between slaves and servants is that slaves were owned, servants were hired. So if you were a slave, you had no option but to do the will of your master. And this is where modern evangelicalism has really missed the point. 
We are so sensitive and sometimes, and MacArthur talks about this, what looks like almost a conspiracy in leaving out the language of slavery for fear that translators had in in adapting the, the language of slavery to American colonialism or to the British Empire. We have missed the point that when we sign on to follow Jesus Christ, we are saying we are owned and possessed by him. And that's something that we're missing today. We have so many options in our minds. We think to become a Christian is to sort of open up the, the bandwidth of total autonomy and it's all about me and it's all about everything that I want to do in my life. Listen, some of the slave language comes out in Matthew 6.24 where Jesus said, you can, you, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus was, there, he was using the beautiful picture of you cannot be divided in your allegiance. So these hard sayings that Jesus talked about in the Gospels come through even in some of the language that we use to temper the issue of what we would be afraid of in terms of the slavery picture of American colonialism. For example, in, Mark, excuse me, in Luke 9.23, Jesus said, If anyone comes after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Let's say that again together. Let's do it out loud. Come on. If anyone comes after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Let me ask you a question. Is there anything in that verse that sniffs of autonomy and freedom to do what we want to do? <laughs> no. Jesus is asking us, inviting us to come into a place where we now have a new position, a new position. And when this occurs, people notice. The chief characteristic that should be noticed by others of those who follow Jesus, watch this, is our obedience, is our surrender to him. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Thessalonian believers and he reminded them of how their faith in God had become known everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia, reporting that people had taken note that the Thessalonians had, watch this, we'll put it on the screen, had turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Now, now I should make a really important distinction here. Here we are celebrating volunteers. But as I read the scripture, and Pastor Mark said it, true volunteerism in the, in the Lord's name is not something that is done for recognition. Because really we're just doing what our master is telling us to do, right? We're called to serve. But watch this. There's a little bit of a distinction here. You could serve anywhere, you could serve in a number of different ways. What we're trying to do is simply honor the fact that you've chosen to do it here. Now, the Lord is the one who's called you into service. And whatever you're doing for him, you're doing it unto him. And it's the reward that will come from him that matters always most and foremost. That's why, for example, we didn't call this, you know, Slave Appreciation Month. <laughs> you're not doing it for us. You're doing it for the king of glory, right? And we're recognizing that you could do it anywhere, you could do it among a number of people, but you're doing it here. So we value volunteers. We value those who say, 
Lord, I want to follow you, but don't miss the point. It's because we have a new position. It's because we recognize that we have left a life of slavery to sin, and now we are joining in our relationship with God, and we are his slaves. In fact, Paul reveled in this. He says, he says I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, Galatians 2, 20. But Christ lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So when we say we are his servants, we're simply identifying our new position in Christ. Slavery from sin to slavery to God. You got it? Good. Let's see something else. When we say we're servants of the Lord, we are saying that we have a unique or we are his unique possession. Say that with me. We are his unique possession. Now turn to Ephesians chapter 1, please, quickly. Ephesians chapter 1. You'll find that on page 1818 if you're using that book rack Bible. Ephesians 1, and in verses 3 through 14, in the Greek language, it is one sentence. There's no period at all. And my English teacher probably wouldn't have smiled at that when I was in junior high. I was known for my run-on sentences, and sometimes that happens in my preaching too. But what I want to point out in this little technicality is that 13 times in this passage, we are referenced to being in Christ. And you could just drop your, you could just see your eyes all the way down through it. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every blessing, where? In Christ. For he chose us in him. And it goes on and on down here. Verse 7, in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, being washed with his blood. And it goes on through this passage, verse 11, in him we were chosen, having been predestined according to his plan. In Christ, verse 12, we might be to the praise of his glory. We are included in Christ, verse 13. This is all about being in Christ. And so to say we are his servants is to say that we are in this unique, we are his unique possession. Look at verse 14. He gives us his Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. What this means is we are owned by him. And once again, we have slave language. This is familiar to anyone who is a part of the first century uh, uh, church. And it should be familiar to us. Unfortunately, it's not because we live in a culture who believes that freedom is all about autonomy. It's all about doing our thing. It's all about God enriching our lives and giving us our dreams and pursuing our ambitions. And it's all about God being sort of, and specifically Jesus, being sort of our associate who's always working around the behind the scenes to make our lives happy and fulfilled and safe. And that's the way modern evangelicals look at Jesus. Unfortunately, that's not the New Testament corroboration. New Testament says we are owned and possessed by Christ. We are in relationship to him only by his grace. And as a result of his grace, we see how beautiful it is that we are no longer slaves to sin, but we are now possessed by him. And Paul talks about this over in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's read this out loud. You've seen it before, but look at it in the framework of what we're talking about today. Paul says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You have been bought 
at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. This is slave language all the way through. In the Roman marketplace, slaves could be purchased. And it's amazing when you think that in ancient Rome, they were auctioned off at the highest price, depending on their age, strength, talents, abilities. Watch this. So God purchased us when we were yet vile sinners, worth nothing to him, and only objects of his wrath, and yet by his grace becoming objects of his mercy and grace. This is the gospel. This is what the gospel is about. We just picture ourselves on this auction block, and while we are worth nothing, the king of glory steps forward and he redeems us by the highest price, the price of his son Jesus. Now, if that, we talk a lot in our, our culture about self-esteem and we're always looking for esteem outside of Christ. You can't find it. Because the ultimate esteem comes in knowing, watch this, that while vile sinners as we are, Christ died for us. Christ gave his life for us. This is the cross. This is the moment in the message where we realize that I don't deserve grace. I didn't do anything to earn grace. God gave me grace through his son Jesus. He purchased me with his own blood. I belong to him. I am owned and possessed by him to live for him and only for him. That's what it's about. (laughs) That's not the message that a lot of us have grown up thinking about. Some of us have come from other churches. That's a foreign message in many churches today. And unfortunately, I would have to admit, sometimes in our church, I have conversations with people and I think, do they understand the gospel? Is it about them or is it about what God wants to do in our lives? And and I'm not judging anybody because I've said a lot of stupid things in my life. And I've said things that would, would sound a lot more like what I've been talking about in the former rather than the latter this morning. Because we have to learn grace. We have to learn and understand that what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.15 is true. That he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. Do you, do you see that? We should no longer live for ourselves but for him who died for us. Let me just ask you a really fundamental question. This is the foundation of service this morning. Who are you living for? I mean, go, go back through as many doors of the things you're doing and where you're putting your emphasis in your life and go into that control room of where it's all generating from and see if there is the spirit of the living God, the Christ who died to give you life, that you, are, that you and I are following his bidding, his desires in what we do. There's a holy passion as well. Not only is there a new position, there's a unique possession. When we say we're servants, we also are saying we have a holy passion. Our time is pretty much gone here, so I'll just kind of sum some things up here. But this is important. In the greatest conflict between Satan and Jesus, you remember Jesus replied to Satan, Away from me, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Did you notice that Jesus places the worship of God alongside of serving God? 
that worship starts and service follows. In Revelation 22, we get this beautiful picture, this glimpse of what happens in the new heaven, the new Jerusalem. No longer will there be any curse, John writes. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. Service doesn't finish when we leave this world. Service is something that continues to go on and on and on. God has designed service to be a part of of the way we function as human beings and the way we function in relationship to him. And that's why the foundation of our service, watch this, is not things we do, but who we are. And if we could just tighten that a little bit more in our hearts by the work of the Holy Spirit, As we go through this week coming up, if we could just say, Lord, would you remind me that in any moment of the day, I am first and foremost your servant in that conversation with that person at work that's driving me crazy. Lord, I'm your servant in that conversation with a neighbor that's been a little bit on your back and you're not seeing eye to eye on something, would you remember that you are his servant and it's not what you want, it's not autonomy, it's not your freedom. God has set, Jesus has set us free so that we might be free to do his will. Freedom to do his will. In Luke 17, listen, not that God doesn't love what we do for him, when we've done it with the right motives and for his glory. But watch this. Perhaps all of us could use the balance of Jesus' words here in in Luke 17, where Jesus in this parable says, So also you, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Wow. That's what it's about. It's about having a spirit that says, God, I don't need the credit I'm doing it for your glory. And I am duty bound because I am the slave and you are the master. By the way, the word Lord is slave-master terminology. One of the greatest words in the New Testament, Lord. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say? I meet Christians all the time who say, well, I, I like to follow these things about Jesus. It's this stuff over here I don't really get along with. So I I choose these things, but these things, no. That's not New Testament Christianity. That's not the Bible's teaching on what happens when the gospel comes into our lives. So, examine our hearts this morning, beloved, and see what God is doing in our lives. This morning, if you don't know Christ, it starts there. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, today, open your heart, and through faith and repentance, come to Jesus. He loves you so much. Now, our time is a little bit gone this morning, so I'm going to wrap the service up because we got a lot going on in the lobby this morning. So I'm going to hold our worship team, and we're going to just close in prayer. We're going to have a minute right now just to go to the Lord. Would you just bow your heads with me? Now, Lord, here we are, and you've seen what's gone on in our hearts today. Some of us maybe have bristled a little bit inside when we thought about You calling us your slaves. Thank you, Lord, that that's not all you say. You tell us we're adopted, we're your friends, we're joint heirs with you, we have salvation, forgiveness of all sin. Thank you, Lord, that you place us on a high place. You set our feet on a high rock, Lord. We thank you for that. 
But Lord, some of us today are a little bit full of ourselves and we're a little bit steeped in thinking that our freedom was about doing the things that we want to do with our lives. And Lord, I pray that for the sake of your glory and for the promise and effectiveness of your church, that here at Neighborhood Church, all of us, starting with me, Lord, and all of us together, would say, God, it's not about us. It's about you, and it's about what you want to see happen in this culture and in our world. So, Lord, your call, your desire is our command, and we follow it with passion this morning. Now, if that's your heart, if, that's, if you're a Christ follower and you say, Pastor, yes, that's my heart. Would you just acknowledge that? Raise your hand. I want to pray for anyone that's saying, I get it. I want to be a part of that. Yeah, a lot of you. I hope every one of you. Well, many. Praise God. So, Lord, there's a big work that needs to happen here, Lord. Because some of us, Lord, are just, maybe we didn't understand what we just talked to you about, Lord. But not everybody could raise their hand and say, God, your desire, my command. I want to pray for those right now, Lord, that just are mixed up and don't see it. I pray they would look around and see people with joyful hearts serving you and understand that's what it's about. Lord, help us, I pray. And Lord, if you brought someone right now, Lord, that needs a relationship with you, may they not leave this place without saying yes. And if that's you right now, and you know in your heart you need forgiveness of sin, and you need to come into a relationship with Christ, I want you to just raise your hand for just a moment. we got a minute. I'm going to just look around. Is there anybody today I can pray with? Anybody coming to Christ today? Yes, you're a slave of Christ. I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Yes, I see back there in the middle, in the back, yes. In the balcony area, is there anyone there? Way up on top, I see that hand, yes. And way in the middle there, yep. I mean, that's not, the, that's not what a lot of churches, come to Christ so you can be fulfilled. No, I'm saying come to Christ and be his slave. Anyone else this morning? Anyone else want to say that's, the Spirit of God is saying yes, yes. Lord Jesus, I pray for these that have raised their hands, Lord, it's a watershed moment in a person's life when they realize that they have been a slave of sin for their lives and now you offer them slavery in you, a life set apart to live for you. Bless each one, I pray. And thank you for what you'll accomplish. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear additional messages or you're interested in finding out more about Neighborhood Church, please visit our website at threecrosses.org. That's the number three, crosses.org.